Well, this homily is going to be a little bit of a rehash of homily that I gave a few weeks ago on the, the good thief, on Dismas the good thief. Uh, and it may be a little bit of a combination of something I'm going to give for a funeral homily in the upcoming week here. Um, in the first reading, we have this passage from St. James, and this is where we see the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Extremely important to really understand this sacrament. The most important uh, point of our lives takes place in the last hours of our time on earth. It's the most important part of our life. Our, uh, our, our, you know, first day at school, our, you know, even, even in a certain sense, our baptism, um, our marriage, our first you know, promotion and whatever job, all of, all of those things, none of those are, are as important as the last moment of our life, the last hours of our lives. It's that time of our life that will determine eternity forever, okay? And it's possible to actually be a Christian and know the Lord throughout the entirety of your life, but fail to go to heaven. It is possible. It's unlikely because usually we die as we live, Okay? And so if we live a faithful life, normally we die in communion with the Lord. If we always put off our salvation and our repentance and we're always saying, I'll do that sometime, I'll do that sometime, not yet, not yet. If we're always doing that, normally we're going to die without the grace of God. Uh, So the principle is we die as we live, okay, normally. But in any event, it's those last hours that are most important. And it's very important to understand what the sacrament is. It's not, it's not magic. It doesn't bring people to heaven like automatically. And it's not instituted by Christ to make us feel better or to give us like a, a, a merely psychological sense of comfort. It's not the purpose of the sacrament. The sacrament is there to either impart grace, if grace is not there, or if grace is there to strengthen it and to confirm it, uh, so that it would be a foundation for our salvation and it would be a bridge into eternal life. That's the main reason why Christ instituted the sacrament. And uh, it's very important for us to call the priest in before the person dies and leave a good amount of time. You, you don't want to call the priest in at like the last moment when the person's Unconscious and they're on palliative care and they've already gone totally out of it. Okay, you want to you want to leave the, the person some room so that they can consciously prepare themselves to receive the sacraments from the priest at the last uh, hours. Uh, now the church, after in the Second Vatican Council, after in the after effect of the Second Vatican Council, there was kind of a change of terminology, and we had hoped that the change of terminology would help. Catholics kind of reconfigure their concept of what's going on here. So it used to be called extreme unction. I mean, you can still call it extreme unction. That's what it is. It's the, it's the anointing that's oftentimes given right at the extremis of our life, meaning right at the very end of our life. But it was kind of, in, in popular usage, it was termed the sacrament of the sick. Okay, the anointing of the sick. And it was done, one of the main reasons why this kind of terminological change came about was that people get it in their minds that you don't have to be right at the last moment of your life to receive it. So that as soon as a person begins to be in danger, even in a very remote way, 
uh, of death. They are uh, uh, eligible for this sacrament, and the, sac- and the grace of the sacrament will be valuable to them. Uh, I pray a traditional prayer every morning when I wake up, and I would encourage you guys to do the same. Uh, let's see if I can, you know, when things, you know, you go on like muscle memory, it's natural for you at the time. Right now, let's see if I can jog my mind and think what I pray. But it's a traditional prayer. It says, um, oh my God, I, yeah, I can't quite think of it right now, but the effect of the prayer, it basically says, I pray that I would be conscious in the last moments of my life uh, so and so that I would have the power of speech and the power of thought and so that I would be able to make true acts of contrition, faith, hope, and love. Because that's basically what it is. got the four, uh, the three theological virtues, add contrition to that, and then add to that the state of consciousness. And I pray that every morning. It's a traditional prayer I found somewhere. And I pray that every morning that I would be able to, at uh, the last moments of my life, be in that state so that I can all the more be ready to go home to see the Lord. And uh, we want to encourage this amongst our people, amongst our friends, amongst our family members. Um, if dad, if mom, whoever it might be, is, is looks like they're going to be dying, you want to get the priest in there a healthy amount of time ahead of time so that if they, uh, if they want to and if they need to, they, they can make a, an act of, I'm sorry, they can uh, celebrate the sacrament of reconciliation and they can receive communion, okay? That takes consciousness. And then they can consciously participate in the sacrament of the sick, all right? Now, if the person goes out, if they're unconscious, you still want to call the priest in, okay? Still, the sacrament still has some value. He can't, this priest can't give the person communion, obviously, and that's too bad, because communion at that point is called viaticum. It's really important. It's very, very helpful for the person's salvation. So communion cannot be given if the person's not functioning. Um, nonetheless, uh, the priest can give absolution and he can give the anointing of the sick. Okay, And uh, that has uh, still got some possibility of helping the person for one of two reasons. First of all, oftentimes we don't know if the person's truly, fully unconscious. Okay, they, Just because they're non-responsive doesn't mean that they're not... Conscious. It's still possible, even if the doctors say oh, they're unconscious. That it, you never know. So the priest will speak to the person as if they were conscious, and they'll say, you know, Joseph, right now, you know, Mary, right now, why don't you, why don't you make, uh, you know, I'm a priest. I'm going to anoint you. You give you absolution, to anoint you. Make an act of contrition, and, and the priest might pray it along with the person. Looks like he's talking to a totally unresponsive person. The thing is, you just never know. They could, in, in some kind of, still have some sense of consciousness left that we're, we can't perceive. So that's that's one one thing that can happen. The other thing that can happen is, even if the person is fully unconscious, they really are unconscious. They have no perception of the external world. They don't know that Father so and so is coming and seeing them. The sacrament can still be valuable because it can interact with the state of the person's soul the moment they lost consciousness. Okay, the moment they lost the use of their faculties. Their soul, in a certain sense, is frozen in a, in a particular disposition, either you know, towards God or away from God, and, or you know, towards contrition or away from contrition. And the sacrament can then interact with that state of the person's soul before they lost the use of their faculties. It's not ideal. 
It's not ideal, but in God's mercy, the sacrament can still have some value and effect. But in any event, we should we should get the priest in there early, uh, as St. James says. If it, is any among you sick, let them call for the presbyters of the church.